We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. wagering needs nick whalen here with alex barutha uh alex we're, we're just going to run through some preseason news standouts uh players who've disappointed us perhaps through these first three nights of preseason action uh well actually actually four nights i guess if we're counting that lakers nets debacle uh on sunday night which did not feature really any of the prominent names outside of anthony davis uh but we'll run through some of the things that we're noticing uh you know what it means for fantasy basketball uh thus far uh, and then we'll get into our composite rankings article, a, a project that was long in the works uh, that, that you put in a ton of work on uh, to push to our site, which went live yesterday. Uh, that has composite rankings from you, me, James, uh, Gabe, Ken, uh, and then obviously takes the average of those. So we'll kind of discuss you know, some of the guys that you and I differ on, some of the players who you know, maybe four people like, one person doesn't, and you know, try to get to the bottom of, of what was behind that. But I want to start with the preseason. And... You know, I, I don't know that there's one like massive story that we have to hit on right away. I, I really don't feel like talking anymore about the Kyrie situation until there's an actual development there. But I have a, a lot of like minor irons in the fire that I'm keeping an eye on because most of these teams have only played one game. Some have played two. Um, so it's really tough to know, like player X starting over player Y. Was that just a random decision that was made and we're going to see it reversed in the next game? Um, but one of those situations was in the Hornets preseason opener the other night, Miles Bridges starting over P.J. Washington. And you know, we saw Mason Plumley start at center. I think that was somewhat expected. I guess I at least thought they would go Plumley in Washington. Maybe Washington eventually takes over that center spot. But uh, no, they, they open up with P.J. Washington off the bench and, and go with a starting five of Plumley, Bridges, Hayward, Rozier, and LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little surprised, but at the same time, I think you want Bridges and LaMelo Ball on the court together 
as much as possible because they their chemistry is incredible. Uh, they know, you know, they basically like uh, LaMelo can pass open bridges. Bridges can get open for alley-oops. So I think you want those guys on the court together. And then you can just bring Washington off the bench as like the first first center off the bench kind of a guy other than Plumley. So, yeah, I think at first there's some sort of uh, there's some initial shock and surprise that they would bring Washington off the bench. But I don't know. I, I think they're both guys who are definitely in line to see minutes in the upper 20s consistently, if not both of them crossing the 30 minute threshold, even if one of them doesn't start every game. Yeah, and, and it's not like, you know, they started some like G leaguer at power forward. Like this is a guy who's right on the cusp in, in Bridges and who played really, really well over the last 20, 25 games last season after Gordon Hayward went out. But I mean, PJ Washington, I think, started all but like five or six games last year. So that'll be a situation to monitor how that turns out, um, you know, as the preseason goes on. And they also have Kelly Oubre, who I, I don't think will start, but is certainly a starting caliber player or has been in the past. And you know, could work his way into the mix there. I, I'm i starting to get kind of excited about Charlotte. I, I don't know what the actual ceiling is there, but they have more depth, more high-end talent than they've had in a very long time. For a while, it, it was basically just Kemba and a bunch of no-names. And and we'll see what James Booknight turns into, but 20 points in 21 minutes off the bench in that opener on Monday. Yeah, he was kind of the Malik Monk replacement, I think is the thought yes. there, right? And so, you know, I think a lot of teams are willing to take that chance. It's like, oh, if we can get a guy on a rookie contract that's that type of player, like a lot of teams are just going to take that. The Brooks, uh, the Brooklyn Nets took that chance with like Cam Thomas. Right. Um, and they're, you know, obviously that's that's panning out well, too. So can I'm, we land ex- another Marshawn Brooks? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm excited about the Hornets, too, man. I mean, I think. You know, LaMelo Ball, given how good his first season was, the sky's the limit for him. And, you know, I like a lot of their guys individually. I think they're creating a team of just they're just putting as much talent on the court as possible. Um, They're prepared to play a lot of small ball, which I think is fine if you are not a, you know, like if you're not a contending team, you don't really need like more than like a Mason Plumlee type as your like traditional center. You can get away with more small ball. So. I, I like what they're going to do. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to get out in transition. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun like it was last year. Charlotte plays again tonight, Thursday night, uh, against Memphis. So we'll get another look at, at what that lineup potentially looks like. Uh, speaking of Memphis, I thought John Morant looked amazing <laughs> against the Bucks on Tuesday. I don't know if you if you were able to watch any of that game. Um, Milwaukee did not look great. Bucks only scored um, 77 points through three quarters because the fourth quarter did not happen <laughs> due to a bizarre fire drill and it was it was very clear that I think the Bucks decided like after like two minutes of waiting all of a sudden there's photos emerging of like players carrying massive trays of barbecue out of the stadium like Mike <laughs> Budenholzer literally rolled his suitcase across the court like I, I think they wanted to like they saw this as an opportunity to get some Memphis barbecue and get home and sleep in your own bed by like 11 o'clock which did not look feasible when that night started but in Milwaukee barely played any of its regulars um and we did see Brooke Lopez we saw Grayson Allen for the first time uh, J.O.B. made his return, played six minutes, hit a three-pointer for what it's worth. But I, I, John Morant was treating this like game seven of the NBA finals, and he was far and away the most impressive player on the floor. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the game ending early. I mean, the fact that the Bucks only lost by 10 playing the lineup that they played is that's maybe another discussion to have. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Morant, yeah, he was incredible. Um, you know, like 24 points, six rebounds, four assists. 
my only concern, uh, and I think is understandably, uh, it's been the concern for Morant. No steals, no blocks, and he had five turnovers. So that's kind of a problem. However, it's preseason, and I think in general, like, you want him to go out and experiment as much as possible. What can I get away with in an NBA setting? It's stuff I've been working on. Um, so I'm not like, you know, I'm not freaking out. Like Morant's still going to be, people are still going to draft him top 40, top 50 with reason. But I mean, he's someone who, I don't know. I mean, man, given like what we saw from him at the end of last season, kind of going into the play-in and then in the first round of the playoffs, he was, I mean, I guess one of the most impressive like first year sort of playoff guys that I remember, especially at the position that point guard, high usage guy like him and Dylan Brooks, both really impressed me in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly how I feel about Memphis as a team this season, but Moran is someone I'm I'm obviously very high on. Yeah, those final six games, including the play in against Golden State and the five games against Utah. And, and people forget Memphis did win game one of that series. That was looking a little dicey. Uh, for about two days there, but 41 minutes a game translated to 31 points, 7.8 assists, five rebounds, one steal, and most importantly, two and a half made threes per game on just under seven attempts per game. Uh, so that's about 37% from three. I mean, the biggest thing there for me was in that series against Utah because the, you know, Morant's problem right now is that he's not a good jump shooter. His free throw percentage is kind of bad you know he doesn't really hit threes and you figured with well okay gobert is is protecting the rim they're not going to worry about uh you know like they're not going to have to worry about morant too much like getting to the rim (laughs) that wasn't the case at all morant was just charging directly at gobert jumping max vert and just crushing into gobert's chest and making these like insane finishing layups or he was just pulling up from like 12 feet with those like floaters um you know that him and like Trey Young especially are are really deadly at so you know like even if Morant doesn't develop into a you know league average three-point shooter or he only gets to a league average three-point shooter on low volume I'm I'm not that worried about his future in the NBA or his potential for this upcoming season no I mean we've already seen the blueprint to making the Hall of Fame and winning an MVP playing like that in Russell Westbrook right and and I think Morant's probably not quite that reckless I, I think he maybe realizes at least right now that his limitations are what they are. And Westbrook, I don't think ever really had that, um, that switch, you know, it was just like, I'm, I'm not a good three point shooter, but I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to play like <laughs> I am. And, and Moran, I, I think like you'd almost rather he have a little bit more of that in him. Right. Because like the, the shot looks pretty good. I mean, it's kind of a push shot, but you know, it's not like he's a disastrous shooter. Like this isn't like a Lonzo ball situation where you're worried about how the ball is coming out. It's like it, you know, we just mentioned that six game sample. Like if, if he could shoot 36, 37%, that is fantastic. Like he does not have to be a 40 plus percent three point shooter. He doesn't have to take 10 a game like Damian Lillard. You just, you can't have it be on the other extreme where it's been, where he's making like one, one and a half threes per game. Like that, that just doesn't really fly uh, in the modern NBA. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips 
Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I want to go to OKC, and there's there's a bunch of teams that are playing bizarre preseason schedules, and they're one of them. They have, like I think, a week or almost a full week between their first and their second exhibition. Meanwhile, uh, Cleveland played on a back-to-back for their first two preseason games. Like The Heat have like seven or eight preseason games. Other teams only have four. Um, but Josh Giddey, the, the number six pick in, in July's draft, looked fantastic. And I, I think there were a lot of questions as to – you know, being, I think, one of, if not the youngest player in the class, you know, a guy who pretty much everybody agrees is going to need to bulk up and, and eventually add some weight, you know, what he looks like. We didn't really get a very good look at him in summer league. He played five minutes and immediately rolled his ankle and that was it. But man, he looked, he looked fantastic. And, and OKC got blown out in this game. It was never really close, but he finished with 18 points, seven rebounds, three assists, just two turnovers, hit two threes, was eight of 12 from the field. And, and the biggest thing is there were just, there were two or three times where, you know, there, there was the one play that was going around was he was on one side of the floor, uh, kind of at the, you know, elbow extended and, and drives left and just slings a pass across the court with his left yeah. hand to a wide open shooter. And if you're, if you're reading tweets or, or even if you checked in on the game, like multiple thunder writers are like, yeah, he finished with three assists, but he should have had 12 because everybody was just clanking all these wide open passes. So I mean, I, I think he's he's at least through one preseason game has delivered the type of performance or at least like the the player archetype. I think that it's it's kind of easy to envision him becoming. I still think he struggles quite a bit this year. I still wouldn't really touch him in fantasy, but you know, through one game, very very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, he's someone I'm I'm definitely worried about for this season for all the reasons that you mentioned and for the reasons everyone else mentioned. You know, young. Uh, kind of slight frame, even though he's he's got good size um, just in terms of height. Um, I think his handle looks like pretty loose in general, but he's good at playing angles, high IQ. You mentioned the the left-handed sling pass. That was one of the best passes I've seen in a while. Um, you know, the ability to to you know pass with both hands is one of the more underrated skills probably in all of basketball, especially for point right. guards. Especially um, for a guy who's not left-handed. That's why I mean. Yeah, exactly. And so like I. You know, he's going to get a ton of minutes on OKC. That's the thing. Like, if you want to take a chance on Josh Giddy with one of your final picks, I can understand because, you know, he'll probably there's easily a pathway to him seeing 32 to 35 minutes a game. Like it, it can be there. The question is, yeah, is the field goal percentage going to be so bad that it's just um, it's not going to be worth having him on your team. But, yeah, you mentioned you just in general, the first preseason game really encouraging from him. Um, I am excited to see him as much as I, I am sort of skeptical. Right. And and we'll see how the rest of the preseason goes. I mean, chances are he's not averaging 18, seven and three uh, the rest of the way. I, I think he'll still have plenty of struggles. But again, you, you look at this Thunder box score and they played pretty much everybody. I mean, the only three guys who didn't uh, or like of the actual guys who could maybe see minutes, you know, DJ Wilson 
it seems crazy that he actually could see real minutes for them, but I think he will. Kendrick Williams was, was inactive and so was Derek Favors. Other than that, I mean, this is kind of their team. And, you know, there a lot of these box scores, when you come through preseason games, there's like 18 guys seeing the floor and, and you, you know it's not really reflective of what you're going to see in the regular season. But I don't know. I mean, like he played 29 minutes in this game. I don't, I don't think he gets to that level. Like no other starter even got to 20. So that's probably not realistic. But the more you think about it, it's like, why would you not play him over... I don't know, Gabriel Deck or, you know, even like Paul Watson was getting minutes for them. Ty Jerome was getting minutes for them. Like there, there are a lot of guys who, you know, Giddy kind of jumps the line, I think, in terms of prioritizing his development. So I, the more I think about it, I, I think he's probably going to end up playing a larger role than maybe I expected he would coming out of the draft. I mean, the main thing when you look at this Thunder roster is how many of these guys do you think will be, first of all, in the NBA in five years, let alone a rotation player in five years? And the answer to that question might be like six players. I think that uh, might even be high, right? I mean, yeah. I think Dort, SGA, Giddy, like those are the only three that I would say like for sure, right? I mean, everybody else, you could at least make a case. You know, I mean, like even, even Isaiah Roby, who I feel like we felt pretty good about, like somewhat of like a mini fantasy breakout last year. And then, you know, the Thunder's head coach comes out the other day and he's like, yeah, he'll probably start, but you know, that, that position's not really solidified. It's like, I mean, if that position's not solidified, like, I, I mean, who else do you really have? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a Roby guy at all. Um, I don't think he's, like, good, and I don't I don't expect anything from him, honestly. Baisley, even, like, Baisley's intriguing just because of how highly he was ranked coming out of high right. school, and but his, his uh, efficiency was really, really bad last season. Um, so he at least has some potential. But, yeah, you mentioned the, the main crew. It's, like, three or four guys, so... Yeah, I mean, if you if you have if you see someone on OKC's roster that you think has any any even remote promise as like a fantasy player, it, you can't feel bad about like taking them in a draft, even if it's like Kenrich Williams super deep or Maldon super deep in like a you know 16 team or something like that. Right. If you're deciding between two very uninspiring players, take the one on the team that might hand them 25 minutes for a few <laughs> weeks at a time. Uh, the Houston Rockets. I'll, I'll kind of let you go on Houston. I think you probably kept a closer eye. Uh, on this game than I did. Uh, their opener, I believe, was, yeah, on Tuesday night uh, against Washington. They play again on Thursday. You're never going to believe this. Eric Gordon is already hurt with an ankle injury. <laughs> he, he will not play on Thursday. I did find it interesting that Eric Gordon, who I kind of forgot about because he was, once again, hurt for a lot of last year, and and the team, you know, obviously uh, took on more of a draft pick uh, acquisition mandate, I guess we'll say. But he started this game, I guess, at the three. Uh, yeah, Jalen yeah. Green, Kevin Porter, Eric Gordon, Daniel Tice, Christian Wood. I don't know how much to read into that. I mean, we, we had kind of assumed that Jay Sean Tate would, would maybe fill that spot. I assume he will on Thursday with Gordon out. Uh, but but that's going to be one to keep an eye on. I, I think the the far bigger or more more interesting point, though, is, is what did you see from Kevin Porter Jr. and, and especially Jalen Green? Yeah, I watched the first, like, two and a half quarters of this game. And, um, I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. and and... Uh, Jalen Green were, I mean, Jalen Green wasn't that efficient, but I think the main thing that impressed me about him was he is so quick. He is just blowing by guys and he's really good at turning the corner. So if he's, you know, dribbling, he's driving hard to the basket and someone's kind of staying with him. He's really good at getting his shoulder past the other guy and kind of getting low and just driving right past him. And he can be pretty explosive when he goes up to the basket. So even though, 
you know, you see the the four of 14 from the field. I don't think that's representative at all of what I saw from him. Um, he was really, really impressive. And I can see why everyone thinks that he's a future 20 point per game scorer in the NBA, if not this season. And then Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, it's just kind of like what we saw last year. It's just like uh, he's just a re- really talented all around player is essentially playing point guard for them. Uh, good passing. Um, I, I just think they have a really exciting backcourt. I Honestly, the thing that just stuck out to me was like they were playing with absolutely frantic pace in the in half court and in transition. Like they were firing the ball around, you know, because they have Porter Jr. and Jalen Green basically on opposite wings. You know, one guy tries like a pick and roll or a pick and a pop action. It doesn't work. They kick to somebody else who kicks to the other guy. And then they try the same thing and they just keep doing that. Um, I, I don't know. They're going to be a really fun team. I think, I think Tice could be a sleeper as well. Um, uh, the, the final point I have before we, we, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll let you talk is that I think I don't remember a time where neither Kevin Porter jr. Or Jalen green were like where they were both off the court. I think they were at least mm-hmm. one of them were on the court at all times. So uh, in terms of, you know, them kind of stealing each other's usage, I don't think that will happen a ton. They're going to start together, but I think they're going to get plenty of time together or plenty of time where they're on the court just individually where they are completely controlling the offense. James was on here the other day saying that he thinks Jalen Green could average 25 a game. I heard year. that. And I I read him the list of players that have done that. It is not very extensive. It's difficult to do. Uh, but his argument is, you know, a, a lot of what you laid out, like they're they're going to essentially force feed Jalen Green along with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter. They're going to play really fast. There's going to be no repercussions, you know, if, if things go awry. You know, he was 0 for 6 in that opener on Tuesday. It doesn't really matter. He's going to be allowed to shoot through it. I, I don't think he gets to 25. And that's what I told James. Like, I, I could see 20. I could see, like, 22. 25 is a lot for any rookie, um, especially because, I mean, Porter and Wood, you know, it's not it's not like this is LeBron and, and Shaq here, but – these are, you know, Jalen Green is still number three to me behind those guys. And, and maybe they get hurt or maybe that changes as the season goes on. But it's not like he's stepping in as the number one guy who's going to have like a 38% usage rate. Yeah, I mean, he took, so per 36 minutes, he took 18 field goal attempts. That was his rate for this first preseason game. Um, I mean, if that's the case, like if he, he if he stays in that like 16 to 20 range, yeah, he has a shot at averaging close to 25 points a game. I'm not sure I would bank on it, but yeah, I mean, again, just the volume of what he's able to accomplish and just passing the eye test. I think he's there. And um, I was also really impressed with what I saw from Sangoon. That's not really a, uh, I guess, a revelation. Like, I think this is a extremely pro Sangoon podcast. And I don't know if I've ever listened to a podcast and heard someone being like, yeah, I'm not really I'm kind of out on Sangoon bad value. She's going to take him there. No future in the league. Like everyone likes him, but, um, for what it's worth, uh, or Sangoon, I mean, he was just like absolutely racking up numbers, uh, in the first preseason game. He, in, he played 13 minutes and had 23 fantasy points. And uh, five fouls. Yeah. Well, he had five points, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal and one block. And the main thing for me that stuck out about Sangoon First of all, or the two things, offensive rebounding and his defense is way better than I expected. He's really great at, he is just like such a instinctual shot blocker. He's great at those like swipe down steals when guys uh, go to the basket. 
especially like smaller guards. He's really good at kind of like, uh, I guess you would call it second action defense or like, you know, he was like setting up to take a charge at, at one point and the guy bumped into him and then woke up with a shot and Sangoon just like absolutely took the, took the hit and then recharged to go up for the shot block. Like he didn't just like stay frozen in that, in that charge stance. So um, I think he has a bright future ahead of him as well. And I think they're just going to like basically play him. I mean, I think he could see, you know, 20, maybe mid twenties relatively consistently. Some of that depends on um, how much they play KJ Martin, um, who is also pretty good in this game. The new NFL season is underway and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark free to celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo daily fantasy becoming shark free. Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS fantasy football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000, and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer and get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome. I want to talk about the Cavaliers. Tough, tough opener for Cleveland on Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, This game was at one point, it was 33 to 30 in favor of the Bulls. uh, And then at one point it was 103 to 60 in favor of the Bulls. So, okay. I guess my question is, are the Bulls, is that more of the Bulls being like a lot better than expected or just like completely on the same page? Or is that just the Cavs being a disaster? I think it was more so the Cavs because the, the Bulls did play their starters. You know, they, they started... Lonzo, Levine, Vooch, uh, DeRozan, um, you know, Javante Green was was the fifth starter. Well, it wasn't a, a necessarily like full on rotation. I mean, they did end up playing a you know a pretty deep. I'm trying to count as we speak here, like 14 or 15 guys. I think this is more about the Caps. The Bulls blocked 11 shots in this game and racked up 13 steals. So the, like 13 of the Caps' 20 turnovers were straight up steals. Like that is a lot of like ball going the <laughs> other way. Like that's insane. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland had seven turnovers in this game. All five of Sexton's were in the first half. He then goes and has seven turnovers last night against Atlanta. Um, I mean, this, this, the Cavs were so bad in this game that it, I, I read an article on cleveland.com uh, by, by a friend of the podcast, in fact, Chris Fedor. And it, essentially, like, the Cavs were so beaten down by how they played on Tuesday that they decided to treat their second preseason game on the second night of a road, road back-to-back as a like real game. Like they played a 10 man tight rotation, Mobley, Sexton, Garland all played 33 plus minutes last night. Like they treated that as a regular season game and they got the win. A, they got the win. The Hawks did not have Gallinari, Okungwu, Capella, Trey Young, <laughs> Lou Williams, or Bogdanovich. And they played all their starters like half minutes and the Cavs won that game by three points. Yeah. Uh, not great. Um, Bickerstaff, I mean, best of luck. Um, this is a completely sidebar. I just want to say it before I forget, I watched like the first 
quarter and a half of the Pelicans game last night. And um, man, Willie Green looks like he's on the verge of tears. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the way he just like looks or if he's like really nervous. And that man is that man is coaching for his job. Bickerstaff, I think, is also coaching for his job. We're already in yeah. the preseason. But um, yeah, about the Cavs, like. I, I'm so conflicted about the Cavaliers because I like almost everybody on this team that's a rotation player, like individually. I think Garland has a good future ahead of him. Sexton, I'm probably higher on Laurie Markinen than most other people. Rubio has honestly looked, Ricky Rubio has looked great off the bench for them. Um, and like Mobley has, the thing is, Mobley has even looked good. And you figure like, you know, if the Cavs, you know, everyone's expecting Mobley to be a project. So if you were to tell someone, hey, like Mobley's going to be like a legitimate starter, like year one starter, he's going to average, you know, 25 fantasy points a game. People will be like, well, the Cavs are going to actually, they might make the play in, but he's playing out of his mind. He's the best player on the team right now, basically. And they're still, they're still yeah. really having a hard time. Um, but if there's one thing I'm taking away, I guess, is it's just that Mobley, um, 28 minutes a game so far in the, in the first two preseason games. Nine points, which isn't great, but 10 rebounds, uh, one assist, two blocks. So he's getting his blocks in. He's getting his rebounds in. Once the shot starts falling a little bit, I think he'll look good. The question is, how many shots is he actually going to get in a Cleveland offense that is trying to, you know, Sexton's going to shoot, Garland's going to shoot, Markin's going to shoot, Love's going to shoot. Yeah, the Cavs starting five had 16 turnovers last night. Uh, like I mentioned, seven for Sexton, four more for Garland. Mobley had three. Um, they're just they're just kind of a sloppy team that looks disjointed. I I, I just don't I really think they're gonna be bad, honestly. I, I think even just it's two preseason games, it's whatever, but I, I think it's a really bad sign when you have to treat your second preseason game like a regular season game to like feel like you're on track, you know? And and like you said, I, I do love a lot of the individual pieces and a lot of those guys I feel like put up good numbers, but then they just don't translate to wins. I, I think they're kind of going to be stuck in that cycle again. Um, and, and like the other, like the big wrench in all this is the Kevin Love situation. They brought him off the bench in both of these games. The first game, it was whatever, you know, you just want to start, you want to start Allen, you want to start Mobley. I get that. But then they come out after and say like, no, this is probably going to be our starting front court. And then it's like, okay, so is Kevin Love just going to play 15 minutes off the bench, 20 minutes? Like, is he going to, are there going to be nights where he's not playing at all? Um, and then, you you know, you, you treat this game on Wednesday like a regular season game and Kevin Love plays 14 minutes off the bench. I, I don't I don't knowing what we know about Kevin Love. I don't feel like that situation is going to be tenable for very long. Well, the thing is, like people were saying, like uh, Mobley's a good long term option, but he doesn't necessarily fit perfectly with like Jared Allen. Um, and now they're starting like Mobley's only taken one and a half threes average in these two preseason yeah. games like of course your offense is going to look bad. Like you have two non-spacing bigs out there right now. So like, that's the argument for love to yep. start. It's even the argument for marketing to start um, is you need like a legitimate floor spacing option or like Garland or, and Sexing are just going to be running into brick walls the whole right. time. Well, you're, you're, you're small forward in Okoro also can't, you can't shoot. shoot. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's not good. I'm telling you, this team's going to be really bad. I think they're going to be really, really bad. I, yeah, I, I, again, like I, you know, I'm okay with, if you're if you're in a dynasty league, you know, I, I would be OK with, you know, you grab these guys on a discount if you can somehow get them or if you have them currently, I would not feel bad about holding them or extending them or wherever your keeper league works. But for this upcoming season, it's it's worrying for sure. I, I don't I wouldn't have confidence in drafting anyone in the Cavs 
except maybe Sexton, who I'm pretty confident is just going yeah. to score 20 points a game no matter what. I mean, Garland, too. Like, I, I still like Garland yeah. for fantasy and Sexton. And even, like, I even think, like, our like based on what we've seen from Moby so far, like, I, I double-checked our projections. I'm like, I think this is good. I don't think he's going to score very much. I, I don't think he's going to get to the line a ton. I don't think he's going to hit a bunch of threes. But I think he's going to rebound and he's going to block shots, like you said. And, and I think if you're expecting anything else, uh, that's probably going to be an issue. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to move to Toronto real quickly. Another rookie, Scotty Barnes, in their opener on Monday. 13 points, nine boards, six assists, two steals, two blocks in 25 minutes. He started uh, as kind of the small forward, power forward, however you want to place him, uh, with Drogic, Van Vliet, uh, Achiwa, and Ananobi. I, I'm still iffy on like how much are they going to use Scotty Barnes in the regular season. I, I do think it's, he's going to have a pretty decent role. The question is, is it enough to justify you know holding him in fantasy? We'll see. But Ken Birch is is currently sidelined dealing with an illness uh, or COVID-19 protocols. He should be back by the regular season, but still a minor setback. Uh, Siakam, you know, out for the first couple of weeks of the season. Now Chris Boucher, you know, undergoes surgery on his finger. Uh, that could be close to a month. So I, I think early on, it's going to be really interesting to see if if guys like Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua, if they play, play really well for like the first two or three weeks of the year, I, I think it's going to be tough to you know, put them in like dramatically reduced roles when those guys come back. Yeah. I find myself liking Scotty Barnes more and more as someone to draft this season, partially because Siaka might be out for the first month or first three weeks of the season, but also the Raptors, you know, kind of bench in general is, is pretty thin. Like there are some names on it, but no one you feel confident about, like, you know, 
Uh, is is Fima Hailuk really going? Like, is he actually going to play? Is Bonga going to play? Um, you know, if you're if you're the Raptors organization, like you definitely want to play Scotty Barnes over Chris Boucher, who's like 28 years old already. Um, and like Birch, I, like th- this team kind of feels like they don't. They're kind of in between like a rebuild and maybe we can be competitive this year. And I'm someone who feels like, you know, I just feel like they'll end up leaning more towards the rebuild. So I'm I'm relatively young on Barnes. But I mean, the main thing I saw from him was just like kind of what everybody has seen from him, which is his ability to pass, make the right decisions, play good defense, like kind of just be like the ultimate glue guy, uh, yeah. which I think is valuable for a team that just lost Kyle Lowry. And you can take some of the pressure off of Siakam and take some of the pressure off Fred Van Vliet by having someone else be able to like run a little bit in transition, make some passes from the top of the key, stuff like that. Right. He can play multiple positions. He played point guard at Florida State. He can handle the ball. Um, if the minutes are there, I think he could be one of those guys who is maybe even like a better fantasy player early on than a real life player because he contributes in so many different categories. And then long term, you know, you're looking at maybe that like Sean Marion type of archetype. And I think he's probably a better passer than Sean Marion or at least has higher upside in that category. Uh, I'll run through a couple others real quickly before we get to the composite rankings. Um, Jalen Sugg started the opener for Orlando on Monday, and then they go with Cole Anthony on Wednesday. I, I, maybe they're leaning towards not playing those guys together. You can kind of see why they're both they're both technically point guards. Anthony especially a little bit undersized, uh, but that's going to be an interesting one to monitor. Trey Murphy in New Orleans has been fantastic in in each of their first two preseason games. Pretty much put up the same numbers in both of them off the bench. Um, I think he had 20 and 21 points, had six threes in each game. Um, he played really, really well in summer league. Willie Green was hyping him up the first days of training camp, saying that you know he's going to be competing for a starting spot. I kind of wrote that off as just coach speak, but I, it's possible. I mean, you look at who they've started so far. It's been Garrett Temple, Najee Marshall in the front court. Obviously, you have Zion coming back, and, and Brandon Ingram sat out the second game. But I, I would not be surprised if at some point Trey Murphy is starting for this team. Well, I mean, their their number one concern around Zion has to be shooting. So you get a guy who's willing to launch, you know, 10 threes in 30 minutes. Um, if he makes them even a half decent clip, like 36 percent, he's going to he's going to find uh, find minutes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I would draft Trey Murphy in fantasy. I mean, again, he's these are these are all pretty much guys who one of your final picks it's kind of just personal preference or, you know, what you, maybe you're like, you, you're really low on threes and you're trying to decide between like, you know, I don't even know. I, I don't even know if Jalen Suggs or Trey Murphy would be a decision for you, but if you need threes, maybe go with Murphy, you need assists, maybe go Suggs, something like that. I've been pretty high on Suggs in terms of, you know, a guy who could maybe like sneak into the, the back end of the top 100 by the end of the year. Cause I think he's going to play a ton of minutes and, and should be pretty diverse. Statistically, he struggled a lot last night. He was, I think, old yeah. seven from the field. Um, didn't didn't have a great night, or maybe one of seven. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how he comes along. I mean, Murphy. Uh, the thing with Murphy is he, he's going to get you some rebounds, but he's probably not going to do a whole lot else. Like he's, I, I think, especially early on, just kind of going to be a a volume spot up shooter. But look, if he's hitting six threes a game throughout the entire uh, NBA season, that's going to be totally fine. How many spots in the Pelicans starting lineup would you comfortably say are locked down right now? Um. I mean, three, you know, um, Ingram, Zion, Valanciunas. I'm pretty, okay. I, I have some, 
I don't know. I feel like they'll they'll start Devontae Graham. I can't like shake that feeling. So and the Nikhil Alexander Walker situation is interesting because he has like been their best player so far in the in the preseason. Um, you know, averaging twenty one points a game on on great efficiency. He's getting to the free throw line, which is something that he didn't do very much last year. And that was like my main concern about Alexander Walker. I was like, you know, like, like I know this guy can shoot. But I don't think he can get to the free throw line. His passing wasn't excellent, but he's he's doing well for assists, six free throw attempts a game. So I don't know. Do you do you start that guy? Do you bring him off the bench and play him 29 minutes? Um, and, you know, so it's if I had to say there were locks, it would be three locks. And I guess the two, you know, maybe three and a half locks, in my opinion. So the Pels played Minnesota in the opener on Monday. We, we don't see Minnesota again until Friday. I don't have a ton of notes here. I mean, they they essentially played most of their regulars in this game. We did see Malik Beasley come off the bench. It sounds like that might be the look uh, that they go with, kind of go with more of a you know defensive complementary option at that small forward spot, assuming it's Russell and Edwards in the backcourt. And then, you know, Akogi started the opener. Uh, you still you have Torian Prince, you have Jake Lehman, uh, guys who are going to be in the mix, at least for that spot. I would not be surprised, too, if at some point they revert back to the three scoring guards. But I also think it does make sense to bring one of those guys off the bench. We, we never really got to see all three play together for an extended stretch last year because one of them was always hurt or suspended or early on. Like it, it's, it's not even fair to judge Anthony Edwards, you know, the guy that we saw in December, January, February versus the guy that we saw in March and April. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a team that I think will have some insane offensive performances. I, they have the potential to score, you know, 130. Um not, I want to say easily, but with good pace and and knocking down shots, that's that's certainly within the realm of possibility. And yeah, I, I guess it's hard to know, you know, what to expect from this team for a lot of different reasons. But I'm, you know, after what I saw, yeah, in the second half of last season, I'm in on Anthony Edwards. Beasley's going to fire up threes. D'Angelo Russell is good enough at controlling an offense to to you know make good passes. Um, and obviously, like I'm a I'm a huge town supporter, so I mean I. Again, this is a this is another team sort of like the Cavs where it's like I like I like all these pieces individually. I mean, as much as I, I don't I don't really like D'Angelo Russell, but he's fine. Um, and even like Jared Vanderbilt and, and Jaden McDaniels intrigue me. So um, I'm kind of like semi interested in all these guys in fantasy. I just don't know how it's all going to fit necessarily. The only other notes I have are the Kings look like they might bring Buddy Heald off the bench. He started every game in which he played. Last year, so so that's noteworthy if they go with the Fox, Halliburton, uh, Harrison Barnes at the one, two, three. Uh, and then thankfully, mercifully, we saw Isaiah Stewart start over Kelly Olynyk last night in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the Kings backcourt situation is just kind of a mess and it's hard to even really know what to make of it until we see more. I mean, they have played two games, but, um, you know, I. I just don't know, man. I, I don't really know what to, to do with it. Even if Heald comes off the bench, I can still see him playing close to 30 minutes a game, just just the way it is. But we'll we'll see what Davion Mitchell has to say about that, because I think, um, you know, if he, he if he really is that good as a defender, he's going to play um, a lot um, in terms of. Yeah, in terms of the Pistons, um, Isaiah Stewart, I don't know. I, you know, one of the things that, oh, you know, we'll get into our composite rankings that we did for the website, but I I felt like collectively as a group, we were somehow too low on Isaiah Stewart. 
even though I feel like I'm as high on Isaiah Stewart, um, not like as you can be, but pretty high on him. And yeah, I mean, he just kind of did what we expect him to do, right? He rebounded extremely well, um, blocked some shots. I, I think he's going to be a, a great player in the NBA and a great player this year. Yeah, well, that's a good transition to hit the composite rankings. And again, these are up on the website, front and center on the NBA page. So go check these out um, if you're interested. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, you you like Isaiah Stewart. I think we all do. You and I were the two lowest guys on him in the composite rankings. And, and you know, we're going to do a follow-up and kind of a Q&A uh, regarding these rankings. And that'll be up in the next day or two. And part of it is like, how do you prefer this process versus, you know, ranking them by hand, which the actual process of ranking them by hand is no fun because there's not like a great drag and drop system to do that. You can, you have to, you know, a lot, it's a lot of copying and pasting and inserting cells and all that. It's, it's, it's not great, but you know, the, the system that we use where it's just this player or this player, this player or this player, and, and the computer takes into account, you know, all of your choices and spits out a set of rankings. If I, if I saw Isaiah Stewart, at you know 97 in my personal rankings, I would say I don't know if that's quite right. Yeah, I, I think James he has a, he had him at 82. Uh, Gabriel Allen had him at 75. 75 is probably a little high, but I, I think I would bump him up you know eight to ten spots. I don't know. I mean 75 it could be high, but I also think that he is going earlier than that um, in a lot of drafts. Like I think I think the word is kind of out on his like per minute production. On yeah. Yahoo, he's going he's going like 86th, um, and I know you know. And if if you if you're someone who participates in NFPKC or if you have an account, you can go and look at their um, you know their ADPs, and you can kind of sort by um, you know what's the highest they were drafted, what's the lowest they were drafted. And I'm sure Isaiah Stewart's been drafted in the 50s or 60s, like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I just feel like collectively we were just kind of low on him, like at least compared to the fantasy world. Um, who kind of loves like breakout guys. Uh, he's he's on that list. I mean, part of the issue is the minutes, right? Like how much is Olenek going to play? Um, they don't really have like a true backup five. I mean, Trey Lyles might get some minutes. They signed Garza to a standard deal, but I don't really expect him to play that much. No. But if you if you if you promised me that Isaiah Stewart was going to play 33 minutes a game, like yes, I would draft him 60. And not oh, really no question. I just, I just don't yeah. know if I trust that that happens. Right. So our, our top five composite, and we should say this is standard eight category uh, scoring settings. I, I don't, none of this was too surprising, but the, the top five ends up being in order. Jokic, Harden, Curry, Doncic, and um, oh, wait, no, I have it sorted incorrectly. Bad podcast material. Jokic, Harden, Curry, Doncic, Giannis uh, at number five. Um, I, I think that's fine, right? I mean, I, Giannis's highest ranking was James had him up at number three. His lowest was you and I at eight. I, I mean, that to me, it's just the the free throw percentage, right? Where yeah. I feel like he's played about as well as he possibly could the last few years. And I, I think he finished like 10th in per game value last year. Um, the, the thing is like, I mean, if, if you bump that free throw percentage up five to 10 percentage points, he's number one or number two. But when you're taking as many as he does and you're hitting them at a 70 or sub 70% clip, it's just really, really damaging. Like his, his, he has a, a like hard cap on his fantasy value until he's a better free throw shooter. Yeah, and you combine that with you know his knee is still sore. Um, you know the Bucks coming off the title, are they just going to be more cautious with him specifically or with the team in general? Maybe, um, you know, because they they kind of accomplished what they needed to accomplish. Uh, so I think he's. 
I think he's riskier than like last year and maybe even the year before. Like you mentioned, if he, I mean, if he, he went 17 of 19 from the free throw line in that closeout game, if he uses that and somehow has like increased confidence and can even shoot 75% from the free throw line, like, yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a top five player if he, if he, you know, plays 75 games. Um, there's just more, I think, questions surrounding Giannis this year than in recent previous years. Right. I, I think that's completely fair. Uh, Joel Embiid came in at 13.4 uh, as his composite ranking. So right on the edge of first round value. Uh, you and I both had him at 12. Gabe had him at 14. Um, Ken had him at 11. James at 20. Uh, the more I think about it, it, and James has kind of talked me into this frame of thinking, I, I it's hard to pass on a guy who's as dominant as Embiid, but the, the more and more I think about it, it's like, was last year the absolute best case scenario for him? That, not only in terms of production, but in terms of health. Because he ends last season with a partially torn meniscus. It's it's just yet another thing that when you, when you add up all these issues, it's like, how long you know can this guy stay even like 70% healthy? Um, I, you know, he's never going to be an 80, 82 game player. He might not ever even be like a 75 game player. For me, it's it's hard to to pull the trigger on a guy like that at the end of the first round even. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I I think taking him later makes sense. However, I, I mean, without, um, without Simmons there, man, I don't know because Tobias Harris becomes their second best player. And I just, Embiid could end up, you know, like dominating the offense in such a way that like, we've almost never seen before, um, or at least recently from a center. Um, I'm trying to look up the numbers with Simmons off the court right now. So last season with Ben Simmons off the court per 36 minutes, Joel Embiid averaged 39 points, 14 rebounds, four assists. So they're going to replace Simmons at some point, probably with a trade. But I mean, if Embiid comes out averaging 34 and 12 with four assists or something like that, it's just you're you're going to feel stupid for not taking him at like four. Um, obviously, the injuries again, he's like basically a lock to miss 15, 20 games. I, it's just it's really hard. I think he could have an an unbelievable season. And if he just happens to stay healthy, it, mm. it, he'll he'll be one of the steals of the draft. It's just I don't again, how much can you trust the the right. injury stuff? Right. And you're totally correct about all that. It's just the chances of that happening, like him having a monster season and staying healthy to me is what, like 15 percent. And if it hits, yeah, you're going to you're going to have a huge value if you take him 14th or 15th. I, I just don't I, I don't love the idea of drafting a player. And we talked about this with LeBron last week. I don't love the idea of drafting a player at what I think is his best case finish. You know, like I don't think there's a path to LeBron James finishing higher than 12th. So I don't want to take him at 12th. Like the play every. Pretty much any player I'm taking at any point in the draft, I'm hoping they exceed their draft position, right? And, yeah. you know, if you can get that player five to ten spots later, great, then they have a chance to exceed that. But, like, I just feel like there's there are very few paths to LeBron, who came in at 12.4, uh, due in large part to Ken putting him eighth overall. Everybody else had him uh, 13th or 15th. I, you know, I, I just, I feel like there are guys who have higher fantasy upside. Real life upside, I still love LeBron. I still think he can be the best player in the league. But uh, I mean, like, like Giannis, it's not quite as severe, but I mean, he's got three straight years now of sub 70 free throw percent. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, Ken 
you know, we're, we're putting together a round table for this. And one of the first things Ken said to me was like, I don't like, I don't think LeBron's the eighth fantasy player. Like if I was doing these rankings manually, I would never put him there. <laughs> um, but again, like, I, I feel like that about my own rankings. And I think all of us have probably have had or have some sort of complaints about where certain guys ended up in our rankings just because of the nature of the thing. Right. Um, well, well, let but, me ask you about one of those. I, I have one written down. You are the biggest SGA guy I know. I know. James rivals you for that. You are, you are by far the lowest on SGA. Was that was that something you were surprised by? Yeah, that was like the the first thing that stuck out to me as I was like going down my list was like I have SGA 30 and I mean uh, James has him 16th. I don't know. I think I think maybe you know sometimes I think what happens with this is you are just higher on like a lot of maybe you like a lot of third round guys or fourth round guys to go like one round higher than the consensus or whatever. And you sort of your, uh, like your second through fourth round, I think can get really like kind of squeezed. Uh, if that makes sense, like it can all, you can all feel like they're sort of in that same range of value or they have similar like range of outcomes and someone just has to end up 30. And for, for me, I guess that was SGA, but yeah, I would, I would rather have them ranked. Um, you know, where you guys have them ranked, or at least the average of 22, I think is, mm-hmm. is fair. Um, but again, I mean, who, you still have to at least have some concern about late down the stretch phantom injury for SGA. He yeah. just sits the last 20 games of the season. Like that may have been on my mind when I was doing these. And when it came down to like, you know, uh, a tie between two players, if I was confident that like, well, I know Zach Levine's not going to sit late down the season, or I know Jimmy Butler's not going to sit late down the season. I would just default to one of those other guys. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you about two more guys and then we'll get out of here. Uh, two guys who are separated by three spots in our final composite rankings, Tyrese Halliburton and OG Ananobi. So you came in quite a bit lower on Halliburton. Uh, you had him at 77. Uh, everyone else had him as, as low as 39 or as high as 39, I guess, however you want to phrase that. Uh, that's where Ken had him. Um, Gabe and I both had him in, in the late 40s. James has him at 54. Uh, was that another one like SGA where if you had a chance to correct them manually, you would move him up? Or are, are you just, you know, a, a couple rounds later on Halliburton than the rest of the crew? I think I would I would move him up, but not a ton. So last season, he ranked 69th per game. And I think it's fair. Like he should probably be at that rank or higher. But I just don't. The, the Kings have, I don't know if I buy him as like a high volume guy necessarily. And I think that was my mentality when going through a lot of these lists in terms of, you know, it, it, if it was a tie, it would be like, oh, who's the guy that the offense needs more? Or this team needs this player more. Um, I don't know. I mean, they have so many, like the the Kings are have weirdly a lot of like Barnes scores for them. Heald takes a ton of shots. Fox is going to handle the ball. You know, I'm sure Halliburton, again, will be highly efficient. He's not going to commit turnovers. Um, I think I'm just not as high on, like, a, I guess, breakout sophomore season as um, as as a lot of other people are. And as far as OG Anganobi, that's another one I think I would move up manually. I think 80 is too low. Um, you know, last season, what did he rank? He ranked... Um, 49th last season. Yeah, I would rank him higher, but I don't know. I'm not sure I buy him as a guy who's going to like really be an offensive, a guy who's like really going to control the offense. 
um, that much. Now there's going to be some room with like Pascal Siakam uh, out for a while and, and stuff like that. I, I would definitely move him up at least probably to 60, but yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd forgotten Siakam was injured. Um, 80 is definitely too low. I think, I think our composite rank of 57 mm-hmm. is, is fair, but he'll, he'll go in the forties, whatever, whatever draft you are drafting in, he will go in the forties. So you're going in, you're going to have to make the decision around, you know, round four or five. Yeah. I, I do like OG. I I would rather take him at 55 than early forties for sure. I, I don't know what the ultimate upside is there. I, I, I still think that he is more like long-term. I think he's closer to McCall Bridges than he is Jalen Brown. You know, and I think I think there are a lot of people that think he's closer to Jalen Brown than McCall Bridges. And I just I haven't seen that yet. I don't think he I don't think he's quite that that kind of playmaker, ball handler. I think he's more of a complimentary, you know, spot up shooting type. I, I think he obviously offers more than that. But I don't think we're going to be looking back in a couple of years and all of a sudden he's like a perennial all star and like a, a number two option. You know, I, I think he's much more in the super role player mold. And, and maybe he'll prove me wrong on that. But, you know, in order to to return like top 40 value. You have to be doing a little bit more, I guess. And and I think 80 is, is certainly too low, but I also wouldn't put him at, you know, I think James has him right at 40. I, I wouldn't feel super comfortable taking him there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, part of this exercise too is I encouraged everyone not to look at rankings while doing this. And so there's, I mean, I think I could have easily forgotten that OG Anganobi ranked 49th last season. Like if you had just quizzed me and been like, where did he rank last season? I think I would have probably said like 60 something. Right. Um. So that was just me partially not being prepared, but also, you know, some just like, again, some of those ties where it's like, oh, you know, maybe I would just rather take Gorgon Hayward's upside or, um, you know, Reggie Jackson could have some sort of breakout year. But again, if I was manually moving them up and down, I would I would move Anganobi closer to, you know, that that 40 to 50 kind of range. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. And we should note, like you said, you, you encourage us not to look at rankings. And I, I think the point is we don't want everybody just consciously or unconsciously following the rankings and we just get you know we get a sample where everybody's just like five spots lower or higher right. <laughs> on everybody nobody wants to take any chances and, and i know i think this worked out really well i think this was definitely the way to do it i think it's it's good when if you're surveying five people and they all have every player within the same general range i don't think that's really the result you're looking for like, it's good when there's a 30 or 40 spot swing for some of these guys yeah, and one thing, so, you know, I mentioned there will be like a Q&A slash roundtable coming out for this soon, either tomorrow, Friday, or uh, probably Monday. Um, I will be including um, like some bonus charts or one bonus chart that has, you can sort by highest rank, lowest rank, and you can sort by variance. So you can sort by what players we're most confident or we're most in agreement on and what players that we are most, uh, that we're farthest apart on. So if you kind of want like an easy way to find some sort of, uh, you know, just either sleeper guys or, you know, polarizing guys or guys that, you know, are really safe. Um, that's a good way to do that as well. All right, man. Well said. Very much looking forward to seeing that. Uh, of course, make sure you check out the composite rankings on the site. We've been putting out a ton yeah. of NBA content over the last couple of weeks. That's going to continue. I think we're what, 12 days away now from opening night. So I have a ton of drafts coming up. I'm sure you do as well, Alex. Uh, Very much looking forward to getting the season going.